Um, today we're going to be talking about our speech, and um, especially within the context of relationship. And so, this book is really, really helpful. Resisting gossip. Um, it is. It's really helpful. I didn't think I struggled with gossip, and I was kind of like, how can there be a whole book on gossip? It's like 150 pages. And it is really good. Every chapter is just awesome. Um, and after I read that, I realized I really do struggle with gossip. Um, and so I, I encourage y'all to, to get both of these books. Both of these are worth reading. They should be in the bookstore area um, in the auditorium. So look for those. Um, all right, real quick, let me say this. I thought about some of the stuff I said yesterday. And yesterday when we were talking about being sinned against in relationships, and sometimes there's there's a break in relationships because we're sinned against and we talked about abuse and I said there aren't a lot of people that know what you I was trying to say that God God understands what you feel God understands what you're going through um, and I said something along the lines of like nobody knows what, you're, what you've gone through or no, not many people do that's not true um, there are a lot of people that know what, you're, what you've gone through so anyway you're not alone in that I don't want to make you feel alone I was trying to emphasize that God knows. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to say that. Um, <laughs> the favorite album just went off. My ADD. Um, all right, so uh, is there any questions about any of the stuff that we talked about yesterday? I'll give you all an opportunity to, to ask questions. I may not be able to answer. Anything? Or just comments, maybe? All right. Good deal. Um, all right, so today we're talking about our speech. Um, the reason we're talking about speech is because we speak a lot, uh, right? We, we talk a lot. Uh, I read somewhere that, that we, in a, in a year, if all the words that we spoke were written down, it would be enough to create 66 800-page books. Uh, just think about that. 66 800-page books if all of your words were written down and put into print. Um, that is a lot of words, right? We, uh, and a lot of times when, when there's a lot of something, it kind of it cheapens things. Like, like that's why Gucci charges like $900 for some uh, sandals is because they don't want a lot of people to have them because they don't want it to become cheap. Um, and so a lot of times when we use words, we use so many words, a lot of times we think, they're kind of insignificant. Um, we kind of forget that they're really uh, actually very significant, very um, powerful and impactful. Um, and so that's what, that's what we're talking about today. Uh, and so everybody can turn to James 3. We're going to camp out in James for a little bit. James 3. We'll see what the Bible has to say about our words. pray before we before we start reading this lord thank you for your word thank you for um communicating to us what you're like um what you expect of us how we fall short and how christ has paid the the cost um, lord i pray that you would help us now to um to understand more about uh about who you are and, and who we are and um help us to reflect 
who you are to the world. Help us to believe all the things that you say about yourself. And uh, pray you'd help us now in this class. Pray that it wouldn't be a, a waste of time. That you would help us to to fight, to uh, stay awake, and to stay focused. And Holy Spirit, pray that your work would be your word. Your Spirit would be at work with your word. And uh, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm really tired. Um, all right. So let's read James 3, 1 through 6. Can somebody read that? Just anybody. Start reading. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Abide also, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. (laughs) I guess that can read now. All right, you can keep going. Right. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. All right, thanks. Um, is that it? Oh, I'm sorry, one more. Verse 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. All right, so... So what does the Bible say about our speech? Um, here we learn that, that James is saying our tongue is disproportionately powerful. Uh, he gives us three examples of those. Can y'all, can y'all give me those examples? What does he compare our tongues to? Yeah, bit and a horse's mouth. What was that one? Fire. Yeah, fire. And there's one more. The rudder on a ship. Yeah. And so we see that our, our tongues are disproportionately powerful. Remember, we speak all the time. We speak all the time. And our tongue is so small, yet it has power. It has power. Um, we see it has the power to destroy, to destroy, or to give life. So think about those three examples he gave. The, the bridle in a horse's mouth, a ship's rudder, and a fire. Um, look, the, horses are really dangerous. I realized in the, uh, in the first class that a lot of you are horseback riding today, so I don't mean to scare you with this, but, um, but horses can be really dangerous, right? If the, if the, the bridle in its mouth is not controlled, uh, it can be dangerous. Uh, I had a friend who, after, uh, after I graduated high school, his dad was riding horses, and the horse just rolled over on him and killed him. <laughs> Um, the, the, the bridle, it, it was not controlling that horse. Um, and so the horse was destructive to him. Um, in, in 2012 in Italy, there was a cruise ship, some of you might remember this, that, that wrecked. Um, it just like ran up on some rocks. And it killed 32 people uh, and caused like millions and millions of dollars of damages. And it was just driven by this little tiny rudder. Um, that's disproportionate power. Right, uh, and think about a fire. Like we've seen these wildfires in California just wipe out like thousands of acres, 
thousands of homes. Um, those things started with a spark or lightning or something, but it started small and then just spread. Uh, it's disproportionate power. And there's the power to destroy. All three of those things can destroy. But all three of those things can also be life-giving. Um, think about the horse. I mean, some of y'all are going to get to experience something that none of the rest of us are going to get to experience today because you're getting to ride on a horse that's being controlled. Um, you'll get to see views that none of us can see. Um, you know, a ship's rudder. A ship can take food and medical supplies to people in need. It can be life-giving as long as it's controlled in the right way. Um, and a fire. A fire is life-giving. Uh, it can bring warmth. It can cook your food. Um, and so all of these things are, are, are powerful. All three of those things are powerful. And they have the power to either destroy or to bring life. And so it's the same with our tongues. Um, our tongues can destroy. Um, James calls it a, a world of unrighteousness. There are many, many ways to sin with our tongue. Verse 8 says that our tongues are poisonous. Uh, think about how poison works. It kind of it slowly kind of infects a person, right? It's kind of quiet, uh, subtle. Uh, it's not real violent or loud. Uh, that's how our words are. They can be poison. They can kind of seep in and just destroy relationships. Uh, and so our tongue can be poisonous. Um, critical words can leave people feeling like they don't measure up. Judgmental words leave people feeling beaten down. Um, gossiping words eat away at trust. So there's, the tongue is powerful to destroy, but it's also powerful to heal. Proverbs 18, uh, 21 says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. Both life and death are in the power of the tongue. Have you thought about that? Your words are a matter of life and death. Our tongues are either a tool of God for reconciling and building up and giving grace, or they're a tool of Satan for tearing down and destroying. Those are your two options, life or death. Like I remember the first time that I shot a gun. Uh, my dad took me and my brother, it's a year older than me, out to my grandparents' house. They live out in the country. Um, and, it, and we had a twenty two rifle. Do you know what that is? It's, like, it's not really a powerful rifle, but... Um, but my dad took us both out to this uh, property. We we're up on a hill overlooking this pond, and we we're getting ready to shoot. And my dad kneeled down, looked at me in my eyes, and said, I want you to know this gun will kill your brother. And he looked at my brother and said, I want you to know this gun will kill your brother. He was telling us, if you don't handle this in the right way, it will kill your brother. I remembered that. Like, I thought, I don't want to kill my brother. Um, this gun is powerful. It can kill him. That's what James is doing here. He's giving us the gun safety speech. He's saying your tongue can kill. Your tongue can destroy. Your tongue is powerful. So I want you all to think about that. Think, think about that. How would our lives be different if we believed that? We'd be slow to, to speak. Um... Before we sent that text or that snap or commented on Instagram, we would pause and think, okay, is this going to destroy or is it life-giving? Um, our tongues are powerful. Think about how powerful our words can be. All of us, I think, have had at some point, have had somebody say destructive words to us that have just torn us down and been hurtful. 
Um, do y'all, can y'all think of a time when somebody said something really hurtful to you? Nod your head if, if you can. Um, yeah, so most everybody in this room can think of a time where somebody said something really hurtful to you, and that thing might have changed the direction of your life. Like maybe somebody made fun of you for something, and you never did that thing again. Like it can change your life. And the person who said the thing probably doesn't even remember it. It's the same with encouraging words. All of us probably remember a time when we were encouraged, um, and that might have changed and motivated us to, to do something, to do the right thing. Um, I remember when I was in youth group, uh, I was not, still am not, a good singer. Um, and I'm like a little bit insecure now, but as a teenager, I was really insecure about singing uh, in worship. And so... One day we were in youth group and uh, we sang a song and this guy that was like two years older than me just looked over and he was like, hey man, that was really good singing. And like, I remember that. He, I guarantee you he doesn't remember that. But I remember that and that encouraged me over the next two years in, in youth group to sing, to worship the Lord. Still now, that encourages me to worship the Lord. And so our words are powerful. Like they can change the direction of somebody's life for the better or for the worse. And so our, our tongue is destructive. I mean, it's powerful either for destruction or for, for life. And so I want to encourage you, aim carefully before you pull the trigger. Aim carefully with your words before you pull the trigger. Think, is this life-giving? Is this, are these words going to be a tool of Satan or a tool of the Lord? So our tongues are powerful, but our tongues also reveal what's going on in our heart. Let's read verses 9 through 12. James 3, 9 through 12. Can somebody read that? All right, so this is a pretty uh, convicting passage. Uh, James is saying, can, can a Christian's words be generally characterized by destruction? Um, and he says no. He just answers the question for us in verse 12. He asks the question, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? And then he doesn't ask another question. He just says, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. A Christian's words cannot be generally characterized by destructive, um, mean, abusive, harsh speech. And why? Matthew 12, 34 says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever's going on in our heart, the mouth speaks. Your, heart, your, your mouth, your tongue, is a tattletale on your heart. Um, look, if you know the peace of God, your words will be peaceful. If you know the grace of God, your words will be gracious. If you know who you are in Christ, you're free to build others up. You don't have to try to build, tear others down to build yourself up. If you know the love of Christ, your, love, your words will be loving. Look, if you don't know Christ, this is what your words will be like. If you have a self-righteous heart, you'll speak words of judgment and condemnation about everybody around you. Nobody will measure up to your standard. Uh, if you're critical... Uh, if you have a critical heart, you'll speak harsh, critical words. If you have an insecure heart, you'll constantly be making fun of other people, slandering, gossiping. 
tearing down others so that you aren't the one being torn down. Or you'll be using flattery to build yourself up. Um, try to attach yourself to people that you, wanna, you want to like you. Um, a bitter heart will speak cutting, angry words. Ungrateful hearts will speak complaining words. Hearts that don't trust the Lord will speak lying words. Whatever's going on in your heart will be revealed in your speech. You can't not um, reveal your heart with your speech. Uh, so, so when I was um, younger, I went to Mississippi State for two years. Uh, see Mississippi State hat, yeah. Um, so I went to Mississippi State for two years uh, and, and was majoring in engineering. Are there any engineers in the room, like any chaperones or engineers? Are y'all like in school for engineering? All right, uh, congrats to y'all. Engineering kicked my tail those first two years. Like, it was rough. And part of that was because I was really lazy. Um, part of it's just, it's really hard and I'm not that smart. Um, but, so I, was, I did engineering for two years and then it kicked my tail and I was like, I don't want to do this. Got out of it. And uh, I did construction for a year. And uh, so I worked with these two guys, Bobby and LC. And uh, we rode in this single cab truck. So I was the youngest. So I was just in the middle, stuck between them. Um, LC was, I loved LC. He was awesome. He was like 45 or so, been doing this for a long time. He was just fun to be around. Uh, but LC smoked. He smoked cigarettes. Um, and the problem is, <laughs> he wanted his wife to not know that he smoked cigarettes. Um, do you think his wife found out that he was a smoker? Yes. Uh, how would his wife know that he was smoking cigarettes? Yeah, the smell. He would get in his car every day at work and just pop candy in his mouth. And it was like, man, that's not covering that up. Um, like, you cannot cover up the smell of cigarettes because it's so strong, right? Um, so so that, that aroma of cigarettes gave away who he really was. Like, he was trying to cover up who he really was. The aroma of cigarettes gave it away. That's the same with our words. Our words give away who we really are. Um, our, our words will be either seasoned with grace or not. Uh, and so what does your speech reveal about you? What does it reveal about your heart? If you took an honest look at your speech, would it be characterized by grace um, would it be life-giving or would it be destructive? Uh, maybe you need to kind of think outside of yourself and think like, what would my parents say about my speech? Would they say it's life-giving or destructive? Um, what would my friends say about my speech? Um, what would my enemies say about my speech? What would my siblings say? Is it characterized by graciousness, building others up, or is it destructive and tearing down? Um, well, let's go to James 4, 6. We read this yesterday, but this is, this is like the key to the whole book of James. The whole book of James is like instructions um, like on how to live a godly life. And this is the key. Um, verse 6. It says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Look, all of us, James even said in, in 3, verse 2, all of us, even James, who wrote a book of the Bible, struggles with this. We've all failed in many ways. We all fall short of the glory of God, of His standard. All of us have sinned with our tongues. But he says, if you humble yourself in repentance and trust in Christ, you will be forgiven. He gives more grace. And so we need to remember that when it comes to our, our speech. Um, 
So after I did construction for a year, I, I, just, I kind of felt like the Lord was calling me to ministry. And so I went to a college called uh, Moody Bible Institute. Have you all heard of that? Anybody? Okay. So Moody Bible Institute has a, a campus in Spokane, Washington, and they have a campus in Chicago. And uh, so I went to Spokane for a year and then Chicago for about two and a half years. Um, so I told y'all yesterday, I grew up in Brookhaven, Mississippi. Brookhaven is a small town, uh, pretty country. Like, yeah, we, I did a lot of redneck things growing up. I had a pretty thick southern accent growing up. When I went off to Spokane, Washington, and to Chicago, uh, I lost that accent. Like, I would come home and people were like, you sound weird. Uh, they are like, you've lost your accent. You sound like you're from up north. And uh, it was because when you spend time with people, you start to pick up on their accent, right? Like you start to sound like those people. Look, if you commune with the Lord, if you spend time with the Lord, if you, if you immerse yourself in His grace, you pick up His accent. Your words start to be seasoned with grace. Um, your words start to build others up. Your speech will start to reflect His speech. So what would your youth group look like if your words were seasoned with grace? Like if your youth group was a place where nobody was made fun of, nobody was torn down, there was no gossip, there was no slander, what kind of an oasis would that be in a desert of just just sin and destruction and people just tearing each other down? Our churches should be that way. Our speech should be seasoned with grace. Um, That's going to be a place where you want to bring your friends, right? Like you want them to come experience this place that's welcoming, where people are encouraging, where people are building each other up, um, where people's words are seasoned with grace, reflecting who our good God is. So one of our, uh, one of the ways that our speech is most destructive is gossip. Um, I think that's one of the most dangerous uh, sins of the tongue. And so we're going to talk about that for a few minutes. Um, what would y'all say gossip is? How would you define gossip? Yeah. Speaking bad about people while they're not looking. While they're not what? Looking. Okay. Yeah, so speaking bad about people while they're not there, maybe? Yeah. Uh-huh. Anything else? Would y'all add to that? Yeah. Okay, talking about others when they're not around. Add to that. Disagree with that. It's usually not uplifting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not uplifting. <laughs> Did you hear about how good looking that person is? Um, it's intense, just defamation of the person. Okay, so it's strip any goodness or, or good deeds that the person has done and just share all the bad. Yeah, so so there's bad intent. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll talk about the definition of it in a second. I think it's really important to nail down a definition because um, there's a lot of, I think we get it wrong a lot of times. But first we have to talk about why it's so dangerous. Why is gossip so dangerous? Proverbs 18.8 says that it it's, goes down like choice morsels down to the soul. Um, that word choice morsels is like really good meat. Like, how many of y'all like to cook, uh, like, steaks or, or barbecue or anything like that? Um, all right, that's a lot more than I thought. Um, hey, pro tip for you that, that aren't into that, um, if you're looking for a good steak, you want one that has a lot of marbling in it, like a lot of the white fat that kind of goes all through it, because 
because it's the fat that makes meat taste good. Like that's why barbecue tastes good. It's really fatty, um, and that fat kind of gives the flavor. Proverbs eighteen eight is saying that gossip is like a really good steak. Like it goes down so easy, and it tastes good. Like you can kind of enjoy hearing bad news about somebody, right? Like like you kind of enjoy that and it tastes good. Um, so, did you have a question? Yeah, yeah, especially if it's an enemy. Um, yeah, so um, it's so one of the reasons it's so dangerous is because it, it tastes good. It's so hard to resist because um, it's like a choice morsel. It's like good meat, um, but it also goes down into the soul and it's poison, and it will poison you and your relationships. Uh, another reason it's so dangerous is because finding a mutual enemy uh, is a quick and easy way to make a friend. Um, if if me and one of you that I don't know get together and, and we, we're talking bad about Caleb over here, like, we just really don't like Caleb. And, like, did you hear that he, you know, he just started working at this youth group and there's no way he should be working there because he did this and this and this when he was younger. Um, like, like, that's an easy way for us to connect. I don't know if that's true about Caleb. I don't know if he did bad things. When he was, everybody did bad things when they were younger. Everybody. I do know that's true. Um, anyway, I, I should not be in ministry. Um, anyway, so, but it's a, like, gossip is such an easy way to connect with somebody because you're connecting over hating that person over there. Um, and that's why it's so dangerous. It's so easy to make a connection with somebody through gossip. It's dangerous. It's all around us. Um, did you hear about so-and-so? Um, I shouldn't tell you this, but, uh, and it's, and it's socially acceptable, Right. I went to a store the other day, and a lady was on her phone, and she was like, hold on a second, I'm gossiping about my sister. And, like, kept talking. <laughs> it's like, like, you just, like, people just joke about, like, getting juicy gossip. And, like, hey, what's the latest gossip? Um, you don't do that about stealing things. Like, that lady would be like, hold on, I'm stealing something. And, like, put it in her purse and walk away. You don't do that. Gossip is socially acceptable, pretty much. Um, and so that's why it's, that's why it's dangerous. Um, Listen, Proverbs, Proverbs 16.28 says that gossip separates close friends. Um, some of you experience this. Um, you've been gossiped about, or maybe you did the gossiping, and friendships were just shattered. I had friends in college that they found out. Uh, one person found out on Facebook. Somebody left their Facebook open and saw where this whole friend group was talking bad about him and his girlfriend. Um, and they were, like, they were a tight-knit group. That friendship shattered. All those friendships shattered because it kind of came out that they were all talking bad about each other behind the other one's back. It's like whoever wasn't around, that's who they were talking about. Um, and those friendships shattered and they never healed. They were tight. Like they were a tight-knit group, like grown up together. Um, friend, gossip separates close friends. It will shatter friendships and it's dangerous. But the main reason it's dangerous, uh, Romans one twenty-eight through 32 it puts gossip in this long list of sin that says um, it's deserving of death. It, it lists murder, um, wickedness, every kind of evil, um, even disobeying parents is in that list. Um, but it's dangerous because it puts you at odds with God. It deserves death. It puts us at odds with God. And so gossip is extremely dangerous. The Bible says a lot about gossip. Um, so what is gossip? In that book that I mentioned, Resisting Gossip, he says this. This is the best definition I've ever heard. He says it's sharing 
It's very easy to remember. Uh, sharing bad news, it's three Bs, bad news behind someone's back with a bad heart. So we're going to kind of break this down and look at the, each of these sections. Uh, so first, sharing. How many people does it take to share something? Two. Two. There's giving and receiving. Uh, both of those are participating in gossip. And so a lot of times we think of gossip as just speaking, but part of gossip, <laughs> an important part of gossip, is listening, is receiving it. Um, and so there's both of those things. There's talking and listening. It's participating in gossip. All right, bad news. You can, so this can be something that's not true. Like you can be sharing something that's not true about somebody, but it also could be something that's true. Like anytime, like almost, I would say 90% of the time, I call somebody out for gossip and like, hey, this is gossip, let's not do this. They, the, the comeback is, but it's true. Like it really happened. Still gossip. Um, it's still gossip, even if it's true. Uh, so it can be true, or it can be not true, or it can be something that might, might come true. Like, hey, did you hear they're going to break up? Like, they, they might be breaking up soon. But this person might fail that class. Um, that's gossip, something that might be true in the future. So it doesn't have to be just something that's not true. Um, behind somebody's back, so they're not there. Y'all touched on that a minute ago. Um, so you have to ask yourself, would I say this if they were here? Uh, and be honest. Don't like bow up and be like, yeah, I'd say it to their face. You know, you probably wouldn't. Um, so, so be honest. Would, would I say this to their face? Would I be sharing this news if they were here? Um, another thing you have to think is, would I receive this news in the same way if they were standing right here? Like, would I be like, what? You know, with a smile on my face? Like, dude, that's, that's crazy. But if they were standing right there, would you have a little bit of compassion for them? Um, do you have a little bit of sympathy for them? Um, another, th- another question to ask is, if, am I hiding this conversation from somebody? Do I hope that this conversation doesn't get outside of these doors? Um, do, I, do, I really think, do I really think I don't want that person to find out that I'm talking about them? Behind somebody's back. Um, and would I want somebody to talk about me this way if I weren't around? Um, those are good questions to ask when you're thinking, is this gossip? Uh, but the most important part is this right here, with a bad heart. Uh, let's turn to Matthew twelve thirty three through 37. Matthew 12, we'll look at 33 through 37. Um, can somebody read that? Either make the tree good and, the, and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. The tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of, out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil tre- treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you are justified, and by your words you will be condemned. All right, how terrifying is that? That we give, we have to give an account for every careless word, not just the intentional words that we speak, but the careless ones. 
Um, and that's Again, that's why we have Christ who died for us. He took that, that judgment for us. Um, so every one of us is condemned. But our, our, our words reveal our heart. And that's what Matthew is saying. And so we've got to ask the question, what's going on in my heart when I'm sharing this bad news or when I'm receiving this bad news? Like, like why am I sharing this? Um, is it loving to share this bad news? Uh, sometimes it is. Like, if you have a friend that's doing drugs or that's doing something that's destructive to themselves, um, you need to tell somebody. Maybe you need to tell your parents. Maybe you need to tell their parents. But that is not gossip. If you're sharing bad news behind their back, out of love. That's not gossip. Um, sometimes we need to share bad news behind people's back out of love for that person. Um, and so that's not gossip. So we have to ask the question, why? Why am I saying or listening to this or why am I attracted to this? Um, are you sharing bad news out of love for that person? Uh, so why do we gossip? Our hearts are bad. Um, our motives are bad. Proverbs 16.2 says, All a man's ways seem innocent, uh, but motives are weighed by the Lord. The Lord looks at our motives. He looks at what's going on in our heart. So we need to be thinking about that. Um, so just a few motivations for gossip might be power. Maybe you kind of um, trade secrets with friends, kind of building up uh, some ammunition uh, in case war breaks out. Uh, maybe you want to have some power, some weapons uh, ready to go. Um, maybe you like the feeling of being in the know. Maybe you like that feeling of power, just knowing what's going on. Um, jealousy. You want to take somebody else down to make yourself look better? Or you just don't like that they're, they're having some kind of success and you want to bring them down a few notches? Um, revenge. Revenge is one of the, the quickest, easiest, most effective ways to I mean, gossip is one of the quickest, easiest, most effective ways to get revenge, right? You just, like, it's so easy to talk, and it can just destroy somebody. Um, revenge says, God says, revenge is His. Um, we should not be people of revenge. We can trust that the Lord will get revenge. Um, he doesn't let stuff slide, and so we can. Um, so revenge is, might be one motive. Trying to fit in trying to fit in. This is usually listening to gossip. Uh, we listen to gossip because we want to fit in. If there's a group of people talking about somebody over there, you might be thinking, we shouldn't be talking about this. But you don't say anything because you don't want your friends to kind of push you out of the circle. You don't want to be left out. Right? And so we want to fit in, and so we, we don't say anything. Um, think about that. If, you, if you're in your group of friends and you say, hey, this is gossip, let's not talk about that person. They're probably, you probably are going to get pushed out a little bit. Like, next time they're hanging out, they may not invite you because you're kind of a killjoy. Um, so we may just listen to gossip just to fit in. Um, maybe it's just pleasure. It's just those choice morsels. You just enjoy eating that. Um, or escape boredom. Uh, I was kind of, I, I, I caught myself doing this a couple months ago. There was, there was a pastor... Um, I'm not going to say who it was because I don't want to gossip. Um, but but this is there's a pastor who is who is doing some just kind of like just crazy stuff like you, you would never think a pastor would do, um, which is crazy because all pastors are sinners. Um, that you, we have this different standard for pastors. But this pastor was doing some stuff, and I was like, 
I found myself like search, like Google searching just to see if there's any new bad news, like if there's anything new that came out. Um, and I was taking pleasure in this guy's sin, in this guy's downfall, in this guy's shame. I was taking pleasure in that. Um, so sometimes it's just pleasure, like just kind of escaping boredom, uh, that we seek out gossip. And look, foolish people don't exist for your entertainment. Their sin does not exist for your entertainment. Okay? So look, gossip is resistible in Christ. Um, everybody turn to Ephesians 4. So while you turn there, I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 10, 13. So gossip is resistible. Seems like it's not a lot of times. This is what God says about temptation. He says, No temptation, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, He, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure. Every time you are tempted to, to gossip or to listen to gossip, God always provides a way of escape. Always. So what are those ways of escape? Maybe it's changing the subject. Maybe just like, just completely changing the subject. Let's talk about our hike tomorrow. Um, that might be it. Um, it might be speaking words of building up. Hey, you know what I appreciate about that person? This. Change, transform that gossip into life-giving speech. Um, it might be, the way of escape might be saying, hey, we shouldn't be talking about this. Like, like if, if just the people in this room and all of your friend groups, if you said that pretty often, like, hey, let's not talk about that person. Or like, we shouldn't be talking about this. Um, that would transform your friend groups, right? Um, I, I had a friend in college one time that was talking, he, he was kind of mad at one of my friends, and he started talking bad about him, and I was just kind of like, hey, if we're going to do this, I'm going to leave. And so I just left, and, um, and I didn't really think about it after that. But months later, he came up to me, and he said, I remember that. And, like, he thought about it for months. And it changed the way that he talked about people and the, the way that he thought about people. Look, if you say that, if you say, hey, let's not talk about that person, that's going to make an impact. Because who does that? Nobody. Nobody stops gossip. Um, and so if you do that, your friends will remember it. You can transform your friend groups. You can transform your youth group. Um, so there's always a way out. Sometimes it might be calling people out. Sometimes it might be just talking good about that person instead. Sometimes it might be changing the subject. Um, there's always a way out. Uh, let's read Ephesians 4.29. Can somebody read that? Actually, sorry, before you read that, can you read 21 to 24 first and then skip down to 29? Assuming you heard about him and were taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, to take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness and righteousness and purity of the truth. All right, hold on one second before you read 29. So Paul's saying, hey, this is how you live the Christian life. This is what the Christian life is like. So you take off the old self, and put on the new self. You take off these old, 
old clothes that just have this stench of destruction and, and there's no grace and the stench of sin. You, you take that off and you put on righteousness. So it's not just stop doing this. It's stop doing this and start doing this. Like put off and put on. Okay? So that's what the Christian life is. Is, is you, you put off and you put on. That's what repentance is. Repentance is, is you're walking this way in sin and you realize it and you ask the Lord for forgiveness and you turn the opposite way. You don't just stay there. You turn and walk in righteousness. That's repentance. Um, and so that's what Paul's saying. Put off, put on. All right, let's read verse 29. All right, so he's saying with your speech, put off corrupting talk. Put off the destructive, tearing down talk and put on gracious words that gives life to those people who hear. It gives grace to those people who hear. So put off that and start using words that build people up. Um, look, especially, somebody said this a minute ago, especially when you've been sinned against, um, that is really hard to not talk about that person um, behind their back. Uh, that's really hard. But First Peter 3, 9 says, don't return evil for evil. Um, so we need to be building people up and not tearing people down. You can kind of think of it like this. Think of it the opposite way. Spread, talk about good news. Um, talk about things to their face. If somebody has sinned against you, go to them. Confront them on that. Hold them accountable on that. Um, and do it with a loving heart. Talk about people with a loving heart, with a compassionate heart. You can think about it like this. Be like Christ. Does He take pleasure in your sin? No. Does he take pleasure in your shame? No. Does he go around telling everybody the things that you're ashamed of that you would want nobody to know? No. He says he casts your sin as far as the east is from the west. Does Jesus defend the defenseless? Yeah. Defends those people that can't defend themselves. Does he speak words of kindness and compassion and love? Yes. He tells us that we have peace with Him because of what Christ did. He tells us there's no condemnation hanging over our head. He speaks life-giving words to us. Um, Sometimes He speaks condemning words, too. But He does it out of love. He doesn't do it with a bad heart. He does it to call you to Himself. Um, And so, so, let your words reflect our kind, gracious God. Sit in His presence, bask in His grace, and your words will reflect that. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your grace. We thank You that You, do, you take no pleasure in our sin or our shame, um, that You forgive, and you, uh, You're kind and compassionate to us. Lord, I pray that You would help us to be um, just uh, a force in Your kingdom, that, that we would go out and spread grace instead of destruction. Lord, help us to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.